0: Listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show set out to bring you news, interesting topics, and interviews with people, mostly from Europe, building bridges and breaking down language barriers to show the world how active and awesome the Skeptical movement is in the region. This is episode 257. I'm your host, Andras Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Annika Harrison and Pontus Spokman. See us stock!
1: Hello! Hey, son, hey, son! Annika! Annika is back! Woo. She is back! <laughs> woohoo, woohoo, woohoo! Good to have you back! Good, you don't get to see this, listeners, but we just saw the baby! <laughs> we have seen the baby! Do, 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 do. The baby! Skepti baby! <laughs> skepti baby. Uh, we didn't
0: want to re- reveal the name, can you?
2: Um, I'll just tell you her first name not her second okay <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and of course like, listeners can be very uh, they can be like detectives and find out the last name because obviously that's very hard to find out um <laughs> no <laughs> uh, first name is luna like luna. luna that is
0: so cool i mean that's, that's beautiful that's great that is beautiful. very very good <laughs> and uh we just uh th- 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 the other day we had a, a bit of a, a facebook chat and I revealed that my niece, that I mentioned on the last show, bears the name Nova. So we just put the two together, didn't we? Yes. <laughs> yes. It's a new moon. A new moon. <laughs> yes. Luna Nova. That is a new moon. <laughs> Luna Nova. It's pretty cool if you think about it. <laughs> Perfect. But your baby is definitely a skeptic baby. Yes. Whereas uh, my niece uh, is yet to be seen whether she is.
2: <laughs> she can still become a skeptic baby. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. We're yeah, working I'll, on it. I'll, we're working on it. Yeah. If I have anything to do with that, I, <laughs> I will definitely make sure she she becomes a skeptic baby or a skeptic person so how are you it's been a while
2: good <laughs> i'm i'm g- really good actually <laughs> well
0: <laughs> really good tired
2: but apart from that
0: <laughs> okay does she does she let you sleep at all well, she
2: lets us sleep like a baby does <laughs> so <laughs> so she she wakes us up every like oh yeah in the amount of time between zero and four hours anything in between she will wake us up <laughs> Oh,
1: Ah, okay. Okay, so Mm. four hours is the maximum you get to sleep. Like four hours
2: or sometimes two, sometimes one and a half, sometimes half an hour, sometimes more, sometimes less.
1: (laughs) Ah, that's
0: yeah. tough. Is she very thorough? I mean, uh, when she wakes you up, does she wake both of you up? (laughs) Oh,
2: it depends a bit. If she's just hungry, then she only wakes me up. (laughs)
0: Mm, Okay.
2: But if she's very unhappy, uh, then... Scotty will also be woken up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and to report what's what's going on to the listeners, we are just seeing Scotty with the baby walking in the background with a big smile on his face as he always does. I mean, I mean, how does he do that anyway?
2: <laughs> He's just a very positive person, but I I admire him for it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we all do. <laughs> and we are very happy for you and it's amazing to have you back so soon.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm actually like I'm I'm just super lucky in the regard that the birth was really easy and that's or like maybe not college easy but i was just lucky and didn't need to do a lot of recovering and healing and that's why i can be back so yeah, yeah, luck yeah. <laughs>
0: it's it's good you corrected what you said because it, it to female listeners yeah something that they have had to endure uh, in in great pain and everything with all that struggle. Uh, you just you <laughs> yeah. Just I mean get it, it like wasn't that. it wasn't like so. <laughs> not painful
2: or anything.
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it, yeah, it must have been. I was just yeah. very
2: lucky that I didn't have a lot of uh, wounds or anything. So mm, that's why right, I didn't need yeah. to do a lot of recovering, and that's yeah. why I'm back.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, and it didn't take forty eight hours. No.
2: I took six hours to be precise yeah wow
1: That's quick. That's that quick. is yeah. amazing was scotty with you the the, the uh, whole way he
2: was there five minutes <laughs> five minutes yes what? well it, because
1: because of, of the restric-
2: restrictions yeah the thing is like the restrictions in in this hospital are um once you have actual contractions like that actually progress uh the birth then your partner can come in but for some reason, my contractions didn't turn up on the CTG. So pretty much until I started pushing, they were like, oh, yeah, just go back to bed. It's OK. Just go back to bed. I'm like, I'm having contractions. guys!" <laughs> oh,
0: my God. Oh. So what, what's the reason for that? For the the father not being
1: allowed to be there,
2: uh, our the whole way, COVID.
1: They don't want him to be there too long, so he is only there for the actual event. No, it's, I, yes, I but
0: they they live together <laughs> in the same
2: house. No, it's oh, like, I know, I know. Um, okay, maybe I should tell the listeners that like I was induced, so I was there from the twenty fifth on and of course they can't have um, somebody who is not a patient there for essentially like three days.
0: Yeah, yeah, that, that sounds that's,
2: that's why Scotty was only supposed to come in pretty much um, like when the actual birth birth process started, okay. but because they didn't pick that up, <laughs> I could only call oh. him like, hey, I'm having pushing contractions, do you want to come in now? And he was there like five minutes and then she was born. Alright. <laughs> <So>, wow. <laughs> definitely not planned in that regard but yeah.
0: <laughs> now that's tough but the, the good thing is that he was there for the for the actual yes birth then yes okay
2: so like That's he didn't good. he didn't miss out <laughs> <laughs> yeah all
0: right so congratulations again thank you <laughs> and uh well what else has 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 happened recently?
1: I have been promoted. Have you? <laughs> uh, very int- very exciting. Last week I talked about the Confounder of the Year award that we, uh, the Swedish skeptics, that is, yeah. uh, uh, gave out to the anti-vax movement and especially to a lady called Linda Karlström, one of the the fiercest and most deluded of the bunch. Uh, And the anti-vax movement have now retaliated. So uh, they have appointed me confounder of the year instead. (laughs) (laughs) It's like in kindergarten,
2: (laughs) right? It is. No, you are. No, you. (laughs) We pointed
1: out very clearly what was wrong with their position. And their reply is, no, you are stupid. (laughs) 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 That is hilarious. And there's another level on this as well, because they said, because I am... uh, my academic background is in finance. How mm-hmm. dare I have any opinion about vaccines? Because I obviously have no qualifications. So so that's their motivation. What they didn't really think about that is that Linda Karlström, who got our award, her background is... Finance <laughs> in finance in finance. No, <laughs> oh, that's nice. <laughs> so that's they, they really don't do much research, in any respect, not even among their own people. So that was. So it yeah. was it was not actually her who attacked you back. It was. No, it was
0: her friend. It was a community. It okay. was
1: a well, a friend, colleague of her. Uh, they okay. have one website is uh, <laughs> is uh, co-driven by, by these two guys. So.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm not a very sports savvy person, but isn't it called a self goal or something? Mm. Something like that. An own goal. Yes, own goal. Is yeah. it? I don't know. I, I don't know so. what it's called. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. It's just on the level of uh, what we expect from them. Not, not to. Uh, yeah, they don't. Sure. Anyway, <laughs> so they deserve it, and I deserved it, and I have now a new title, and I will put it on all <laughs> my business cards.
2: Yes, you should. Very you should. proudly.
1: But are you are you the confounder or the or the anti-confounder or, uh, or an anti-confounder should actually be an enlightener right because <laughs> yes. two negatives I, I don't know i haven't thought this through but, but technically
0: then you are
1: they called me the confounder of the year <laughs> but yeah but but yeah. you did it
0: first so if they <laughs> threw it back at you that means that you are the anti-confounder
1: of the year Maybe. which
0: means you're actually the enlightener
1: on the web page they actually put a picture of me, and then it was more like the Antichrist uh, <laughs> that I looked okay. like. So they found a, a not-so-flattering picture of me. And uh, so I want to see that. I can send it to you later. I
2: think they should call you like the Flabbergaster of the year.
1: Flabbergaster. That's a oh, good wow. one. Yes.
0: <laughs> I have to think about
1: that. Okay. Yeah. Good, good. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. (laughs) We have uh, other things happening in the skeptic movements that I wanted to Mm -hmm. talk about just briefly before we go into the regular segments. And that is that Skeptics in the Pub online is back again, starting this week, actually. So maybe this show will get out in the time for you to uh, see the first uh, uh, Skeptics in the Pub. It's on Thursday. Uh, at 7 o'clock UK time. That means 8 o'clock uh, CET. Okay, I got the hint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got the hint. Right? Very good, very good. Uh, and this this week, it's about artificial intelligence, AI. And then if you miss that, uh, it, it'll be on YouTube, I assume. Most of them are. And then um, next week, it's about pseudo-archaeology. And they also have scheduled the to following after that. So they're really starting up the new year with lots of events. And of course, we will put all of them in our events in Europe page uh, on, on uh, the ESP.eu where we do. Mm-hmm. And maybe on Tuesday on the 19th, there will be a Swedish skeptics in the pub as well in English. So if we can get it happening, we're a little bit late in the preparations, but I think we can make it happen. And if if so, we will put it in the show notes as well and in uh, the calendar, of course, so you can go there.
2: Yeah, and this Friday there's a skeptics in the pub uh, Stammtisch of Cologne Stammtisch. on Friday. Okay. In, in Cologne? Yeah, no, like, not in Cologne, oh. online too, but… <laughs> of course, yeah.
1: but arranged by the, the Cologne by the, skeptics. By yes. the Cologne skeptics, yes. <laughs> Great. So uh, the new year is starting up yes. uh, and uh, even if we're all in lockdown and things are terrible, There's a lot of things happening online. uh, Exactly. We're not
2: getting lazy.
1: (laughs) Exactly. That's correct. But the
0: Cologne one will be in German, right? Yes. However, with with the VOF one being in
1: in, uh, English.
2: Maybe we should all crash it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but everybody, I mean, it's of course free to attend. Anybody can. And uh, I will, when we have all the links, it will be available on, on the on the website, so you can see it. Let's
2: yeah. make it a global event, guys.
1: <laughs> yes, why not? Yeah, actually, that's what I think
0: that uh, VOF is marching towards world domination now. <laughs> right. <laughs> so watch out for Pontus. Yeah. Yes.
2: But leader. <laughs> he's, he's really
0: up to something. <laughs>
1: Yes, if I can make it happen, I will. Yes. <laughs>
0: okay. We have your back. That's for sure. At
2: <laughs> some point of time, we will have to start poking uh, Pontus at him. Because <laughs> he will be so such yeah. a world leader. <laughs>
0: The Pope of International Skepticism, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) All right, (laughs) before we go into more detail about that, I think we should uh, actually turn towards the regular segments, and the first one will be the one that is actually presented by Anika, who's back to join us this week. (laughs) So, what happened this week in
2: Skepticism? Yes, so, on January the 16th, 1964, a very important person for the international skeptics movement was born, and I will (laughs) let Pontus pronounce his name.
1: (laughs) Massimo Piliucci! Thank
2: you. (laughs) (laughs) And he is a philosopher, writer, a critic of pseudoscience and creationism, and an advocate for science education and skepticism. And. He's really, I would say, a child of the world, (laughs) because he was born in Liberia, raised in Rome, Italy, and now lives in the U.S. And he has been very busy through the years. He has written for the Skeptical Inquirer, for Philosophy Now. He's very active in in the movement. Um, He's on the board of the New York Skeptics, has been a speaker at Nexus and Syconn. And as I already said, um, has connections to Europe, to Africa, to um, the US, and so on. And as I already said, he celebrates his birthday this week. So happy birthday, Massimo.
0: <laughs> happy birthday. Yeah, happy birthday. Yes. Bon compleanno. <laughs> Tanti auguri. <laughs> uh, and I think he was a speaker at several Chicup Fests as well. Yeah. I mean, uh, large ChicUp events, uh, bef- even before it was called Chicap Fest. So, yeah, he's he's well-known in Italy as well, mm-hmm. and uh, very popular. Very smart, too. I've, I, and I very did, smart. Yeah,
1: I've listened to his, uh, I don't do now, but I think he's not on that podcast anymore. With uh, Julia Gallus. Uh, what was it called? Rationally Speaking?
0: Uh, Rationally Speaking, Rationally Speaking with Julia Gallif. Right. Yeah.
1: I listened to that uh, a few years back, and very smart guy. Yeah, and they
0: did a very good job hosting the show together uh, with Julia. Yeah, And I was quite sad when he decided to move on, but uh, he was probably too busy. But who knows? The cleverness of his might be coming back at the end of the show. Ooh, <laughs> Teaser. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, thank you very much, Hanika. Thank you. And we are moving on to Pontus, Poking the Poke.
1: All right, fresh off the presses, because I just saw this fi- 15 minutes before we started recording. I haven't really had time to analyze this first one uh, yet, but I think I'll mention it anyway. Francis has changed the law, the church law. He's issued a new motu proprio, which is his way of. It's really. Fantastic. What a dictator he can be. He just writes a piece of paper and says, now I've changed the law. (laughs) And uh, he has done that again. Well, he is a dictator technically. In a way, yes. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. This new law gives women the right to act as readers and altar servers, assisting the priests during the services or in administering communion. So he's finally let women into the church. Uh, But not to be priests, of course. Don't be ridiculous. That would be silly. But they can go alongside and carry the holy crackers. (laughs) And that's good. (laughs) So in many places, that's already the case, of course. uh, And it has been for a long time. But some conservative priests have been fighting this. And they say, no, it should only be male people involved in doing the busy stuff in in the church, like carrying the crackers but now papa francesco he's put has put his foot down and women can absolutely be the servants of male priests going forward so
2: great very very
1: generous of him (laughs) well still it is a step in the right direction but it's such a you know it's a couple of centuries too late i think
2: yeah it only took him like 15 centuries to me
1: yeah but here's a bigger puzzle for everyone why has the Vatican transferred $1.8 billion to Australia? Hmm. Over the last six years, the Vatican had made has made over 40,000 financial transactions to Australia. And the mystery is that the Aussie Catholic Church are as surprised as anybody else about this. <laughs> uh, they haven't uh, received in, any money, they say. And uh, the Vatican says, we haven't sent any money... But um, the austrac it's an abbreviation for the Australian Transaction Reports and Analysis Center. Uh, They are uh, an Australian government agency to identify money laundering, organized crime, tax evasion, welfare, fraud and such stuff. And they have found all of these transactions and um, they are now asking the church, what the hell is this? What What have you been doing? And they say... We haven't done anything. We don't know. Um, and this is a lot of money, even, even for the Vatican. Uh, 1.8 billion dollars, American dollars. Uh, that's larger than the whole budget for the Holy See for that t- time period over those six years. And everybody seems so surprised to, to hear about this. There's only one thing that they agree. And they say that it's definitely not about uh, Cardinal Pell... <laughs> oh, yeah. Who was the pre- prefect uh, for the Secretariat of the Economy during the time 2014 to 2019? Basically, he was the treasurer for the church and uh, a person, as we know, who has f- uh, fought costly legal battles in Australia during this time period. But they are very certain that it has nothing to do with that. And I wonder how they can know because they just said that they didn't know about these things. So how can they know what it's not? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we will see because, of course, there is now an investigation into the matter by the Australian authorities. So watch this space. Very intriguing. And and Francis, of course, himself, he has not uh, commented on this topic. He is very careful not to get entangled in any of the embarrassing details that may come up uh, so I don't think he will say anything but he did talk to the press uh, lately he gave an interview on italian television on sunday uh, which I have only read about it because of course I haven't paid my italian uh, channel tg5 a fee lately so I couldn't see it He went through a lot of topics. It was sort of a general uh, interview. And he talked about how he uh, condemns the the Capitol Hill riots, of course, in the US. And uh, how he has changed his ways regarding lockdown. And that he will get vaccinated as soon as he can. And uh, so these these are normal, sensible things to say. And at least we know now that he's not an anti-vaxxer. And that's good. He was also asked about abortions, and uh, the thing that got to the headlines was that he said it's, quote, not a religious problem, end quote. So what's that mean? Is he he taking his hand away from this now? Is he somehow pro-choice suddenly? He said said specifically that it is, quote, a human problem, pre-religious, end quote. I don't know what pre-religious, but it's sort of Seems like it's beside the religion. It has to do with human ethics, he said. But don't worry, he hasn't changed changed his mind at all. Uh, He returned to his old favorite metaphor about having an abortion. That is, according to him, like hiring a hitman to solve a problem. And then he said uh, something that proves that he has no clue what science is. When he said that if you ask yourself... Uh, if you have the right to do this, to, to uh, perform an abortion, the answer is, quote, in the third week, almost the fourth, there, there are all the organs of the new human being in the womb of the mother. Of the mother. It's a human life, end quote. So all abortions, I mean, now, now it's me talking, all abortions after week three is basically hiring a hitman to kill somebody. And that is quote-unquote science, to him, and it has nothing to do with religion. (laughs) Ah, Thank you very much, Pontus, for poking the Pope once again. Thank you.
0: And why don't we move on to discussing what's new on the COVID front? Well, unfortunately, we are nearing 100 million cases and 2 million deaths worldwide, which is quite shocking. But there are several also quite worrying um, developments. Uh, one of them is that uh, according to some studies, six months later, 76% of COVID-19 patients are still not completely out of the woods when it comes to different symptoms. Uh, we are talking about the thing that is uh, often being referred to as long COVID. And uh, I, I have a couple of friends of mine who, who are suffering from that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of them did not go through a very uh, severe illness, but the long-term effects seem to be affecting them very badly. So uh, that is something to look out for. But also on the negative side, there are studies suggesting that 50% of new infections could be coming from people with no symptoms whatsoever. So uh, that is not completely new. That is something that that, uh, has been discussed for a while. But uh, now it seems to be quite well established that this might be the case, and still there are countries that that are struggling to grab the situation by the balls. Uh, one one of one of those examples is the UK with with Boris doing completely nonsensical moves and delaying the moves, and the result is that there are over eighty thousand deaths so far in the UK, wow. and. They, they are the leading country in Europe with uh, the number of deaths. That's not a competition you want to win. It's it's definitely not the competition <laughs> you want to win. <laughs> so this is one of the reasons why the, the, the WHO Europe Regional Director, uh, Dr. Henry P. Kluge uh, in Copenhagen, he, he gave a speech and um, he summed up the situation and the numbers are quite shocking that that he revealed there. So uh, when it comes to the European region, the WHO European region, there are 26 million confirmed cases of COVID-19 and uh, the, the number of confirmed deaths that are linked to COVID-19 in 2020 uh, are more than five hundred thousand, close to six hundred thousand so far, and um, when it comes to, and this is important because there are lots of websites and Facebook posts that claim that the um, excess mortality is way lower than usual, uh, and it is not the case. You you know what EuroMOMO is, right? They they collect uh, mortality cases that uh, the the all cause excess mortality monitoring system and there are 27 countries participating in that well in 2020 close to 313,000 excess deaths were reported well when it, when you compare it to 2018 that's a threefold increase when you compare it to 2019 it's a fivefold increase so so much for the, the excess death numbers being lower than usual yeah. uh, some face i've come across those facebook posts myself uh, they claim that it's way lower and there is nothing to fear well that apparently is not the case but then y- the usual argument is that well that that data is provided by the government and the governments are part of the conspiracy the, the global conspiracy and Jeez. and all that shit. so well At the beginning of 2021, according to the the regional director, 230 million people in the European region are living in countries under full national lockdown, uh, with some countries are preparing to announce those lockdowns and restrictions and making them more more serious. And the numbers are growing fast still. So those lockdowns are absolutely based on the COVID-19 numbers. So it makes sense. To, to go into those lockdowns. That means that um, we are in trouble. But the, the, the source of the trouble is partly that there are new strains, new variants of uh, SARS-CoV-2 virus that are emerging. And one of them is the one that uh, started in the UK, or apparently started in the UK. The other one is called the South African one. And uh, the problem with the, the UK version is that it uh, seems to have increased transmissibility. Apparently, it doesn't increase the severity of the illness itself, so that's that's a good thing. But um, the the big question is, especially with the vaccines being rolled out as of as as we speak, is whether they will be able to provide the level of immunity in people that are required to tackle this uh, pandemic. And Pfizer-BioNTech, the duo whose uh, vaccine hit the market first, their vaccine seems to be working against a new variant uh, spreading across Europe as well. Um, I have to emphasise that it's the European variant that's referred to as the UK variant, not the South African, because that has not been studied yet. Obviously, they could not uh, start a large-scale study with the same parameters that they did to assess the efficacy of the vaccine but what they did was that they uh, analyzed the antibodies of 20 people who have been vaccinated with this uh, uh, pfizer vaccine and uh, they looked at the antibodies and whether they react the way they should be to the the presence of the virus so this is in vitro Obviously, it's not in vivo, Ah. but still, this is something that suggests very strongly that it should work in vivo as well. So, uh, this looks very good, which is something that we need, (laughs) especially with the optimism that we aim for at the beginning of 2021. But with the vaccine rollout, there is one issue that seems to be emerging with countries trying to uh, decide completely arbitrarily whether to postpone the the administration of the second dose to people who have been vaccinated with the first dose. And Pfizer warns against that, and they keep emphasizing that this should not be done, because they tested it with a 21-day difference between the two jabs. And anything other than that should not be considered tested yeah. so it's not something that you want to test on the field without the scientific background so i'm pretty sure that the reason for that that countries are trying to delay that uh with a, uh, by a couple of weeks is logistical yeah. but you have to bear in mind that if it has been tested for 21 days between the two jabs then you should follow that rule you should follow that because that's how it delivered the results that we saw circulating in the news so um, yeah that's that's one thing the other thing is obviously as all skeptics uh, keep, uh, pay attention to is that misinformation and the different platforms uh, where misinformation spreads are a major issue so the problem here with that is that it looks like since 2019 all the major anti-vaccine accounts on social media or most of them have gained followers at at an alarming pace like more than 10 million new followers have been gained altogether on those anti-vaccine accounts all over the world so um, that is something that we have to keep an eye out for and um, even though Facebook does a better job than probably a year ago in fighting misinformation but they are still allowing a lot of nonsense to circulate. One of those pieces of nonsense is obviously the the portuguese nurse but it's not only uh, social media where it it uh, makes around but also in regular media outlets that uh, you remember from last week probably that, that there was this portuguese nurse uh who died two days after getting the jab right and it was reported to be the jab of pfizer biontech and The connection was not directly made, but the two things were mentioned alongside each other. Obviously, the connection could be made in people's minds, and it it was, obviously. So Snopes did a bit of an analysis on uh, what the situation was with this, and um, they report that the autopsy concludes it had nothing to do with the vaccine. My problem with it is that it's a little bit odd that Portuguese authorities did not reveal the actual cause, which can only work in favour of those peddling this nonsense. Yeah, but there are privacy issues, right? Yes, that's right. But I think this should should have been assessed more thoroughly in terms of what the outcome might be. So do we hurt society more by revealing this information or by not revealing this information? And I strongly believe that it's the latter. Hmm. So... They they claim that it uh, that it is covered by the secrecy of justice, whatever it means. Uh, I I don't really oh. understand that that legal term. But the 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 other thing is that we don't have a clue whether it was actually a Pfizer BioNTech vaccine that she got. So we don't have information about that. Mm-hmm. We don't really know. So this is a good example of how everything should be fact checked, and that we need more trust in experts. And this is why I'd like to finish with uh, something positive. And that is the Hungarian Academy of Sciences and some members of the Academy of Sciences putting out a statement about vaccination. Because as I've already mentioned uh, in previous episodes, willingness to take the vaccine in Hungary is very low even among healthcare workers, which is very shocking. They don't want to be vaccinated. Uh, doctors usually have a, a, a larger uptake, but uh, at the nurse level, they are not that willing. So it's a generic statement by the some members of the Hungarian Academy of Sciences about vaccines and how they have saved millions of lives uh, through, through the ages. And uh, the, most of them are prominent figures, including a couple of... Um, uh, former presidents of the Hungarian Academy of Sciences, so they try to put their names next to this statement in order to to gain trust and, uh, and support for vaccination um, to, against COVID-19. So who knows, in the future we might be seeing the same thing happening in other countries where um, prominent scientists give their names to the cause which is a good cause and it should be supported.
2: Yes, definitely.
0: But uh, with all that said, I think we should uh, investigate a bit more than COVID-19. So, some other news as well.
2: Yeah, and I can jump right into it with a very um, positive news item. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because our friend Natalie Grams was honoured with the Preis für Zivilcourage, which pretty much means the price for moral fiber or for moral courage.
0: <laughs> oh, nice! Wow! Great! And well deserved.
2: Yes, exactly. <laughs> as as we all would say, she uh, she really deserves this prize. It's a privately funded prize, and she received it for her activism in, with medicine, pseudoscience and science communication. Mm-hmm. With the award money, uh, it's about uh, twenty thousand euro. So it's. Ooh. Pretty, pretty epic. <laughs> oh, wow. And she's actually also the, the first recipient of this prize because, yeah, they, they said um, they didn't create it They cre- for that. They created it before that, but she is the first one to receive it. Okay. And the official ceremony will be in summer. They just couldn't do it now because of COVID.
0: Oh, that's very optimistic. Yeah. That in summer they will be able to. <laughs> yeah,
1: we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> no,
2: okay. Well, it can be a cold summer, like next December or so, you
1: know. <laughs> ah, yeah. Yeah. I hope they can send her the money in in advance um yeah so she it's actually they through. said
2: they will will pay it in uh in a rate of four in installments of four years so 21 22
1: 23 and 24 mm. okay, okay.
2: okay. okay. <laughs> so who was behind this uh, price it's by a um, publishing couple like the couple couple has a publishing house and they're called um, Hertha Beuschelmenze and Vromutmenze. Okay, so
1: I can't spell that, but I, I like them already.
2: <laughs> yeah, as I said, like privately uh, funded pretty much.
1: Okay,
0: yeah. Oh, okay, fantastic.
2: Definitely. That's
0: pretty good. Congratulations to Nathalie Rams.
2: Well deserved. <laughs> and I'd like to congratulate
0: us, uh, the world, the whole world as well. Oh, really? Because 2020, there are terrible news with regards to uh, 2020 that we have covered all year long, but we could not tell you exactly what the situation is with global warming and climate change, whether 2020 was the hottest year on record. Now we know, <laughs> with all the, the information coming in from the last part of the year. Let me guess. Well, it seems like it's on the top of the list, but tied with uh, 2016, actually. Yeah. So uh, they are basically comparable. And uh, the the only thing that we have to bear in mind is that while 2016 was made warmer by us, an El Nino event, 2020 especially towards the end, was marked by an emerging La Nina, which is supposed to make the world a little bit cooler. So
1: so even though there was a La Nina, we still uh, were at the top. Uh, We had the same warmth as in 2016.
0: Yeah. So we managed to almost beat the year that was superheated by an El Nino event. Yeah. So we're basically screwed yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's what right. it means okay yeah so the numbers don't look very nice when it when it comes to europe only the new record level of warming was uh, uh 0. 0.4 degrees celsius compared to 2019 mm-hmm. which doesn't
1: seem doesn't that sound much. like a much but we know that but it is, it is because it's an average yes yeah, yeah. so so far we are
0: at 1.25 degrees Celsius warmer than the average between 1850 and 1900, which is considered the pre-industrial period. So keeping it under 1.5 degrees by the end of the century is completely out of the question. And uh, that is basically backed by another study that has been done. It was a, a very thorough assessment of of Earth's climate sensitivity using multiple lines of evidence. That's the title of the review article that was published by lots of uh, international authors. And uh, they were assessing, I mean, we've covered things like that uh, earlier uh, when it comes to climate sensitivity. And climate sensitivity is basically what degree of uh, warming we are expecting with the doubling of the carbon dioxide levels and it seems like it could be between 1.5 degrees and 4.5 degrees which is basically the highest that has been assessed by such a thorough review so uh Things don't look good, but uh, let's still keep our cool and uh, let's be optimistic. But 2021, who knows? There there might be some technique uh, sucking carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere at uh, very high quantities.
2: That reminds me of space balls. <laughs>
0: space balls, yeah. That's pretty really cool. That would yeah. really be cool. It would be nice. So, uh, yeah,
2: that's the good news. <laughs> define good andras <laughs>
0: yeah, very funny this yeah. definition of good news for dry hot climate lovers <laughs> it's definitely good news
2: for deserts okay i've got another piece of um, good news but like pretty much good as andras defines it <laughs> um because apparently people in uh, in germany especially medical staff are uh, are becoming vaccine hesitant In Germany, people get more ready to be vaccinated, and it it changed from 48% of the population in December to 57% now. So it's a lot more people that would be ready and would trust the vaccine, the COVID vaccine. Uh But medical care workers like nurses seem to be uh, vaccine hesitant, where like while 91% of medical doctors and 76% of non-doctor medical staff are for a vaccine, uh, for the COVID vaccine. Only 73% of the doctors and 50% of the other um, medical staff would get vaccinated themselves. So that's a huge gap. That's really strange. Yeah, especially because they are medical uh, professionals. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, just, just what I referred to earlier.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh,
0: in, in, in Hungary, yeah. yeah, the same thing seems yeah. to be happening. Oh, God.
2: Yeah, it, it seems paradox almost. Um, mm. And it's also that the hesitancy in the vaccine skepticism isn't new. Like the um, flu shots are also ill-received among medical staff, apparently. And we also have to keep in mind that it's complex. So it's not that they are just don't want to get vaccinated. Some are afraid or yeah skeptical they just don't know but others are afraid that with um the covid vaccine that they would get pretty much burned up in covid icu stations because they say like if we we get vaccinated then they will use us and they will put us on very very long shifts aha so like they are afraid of that like it's it's very complex (laughs) also uh People are actually optimistic that with the general acceptance of the public, that um, the acceptance of the vaccine by the medical staff might also improve soon. So we'll see.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, we have huh. to bear in mind that Strange. not all healthcare professionals are well-versed in how science works, yeah, and that includes how vaccines work and how vaccination works. So uh, it's surprising in a way, but it's not that surprising when you think about it.
2: Yes, yeah. it's because like you don't learn uh, uh, critical thinking or that much about specific science and medicine as a nurse.
0: Yeah, yeah, and you see things happening in the hospital hospital environment. You see contradictory decisions being made uh, above your head, and that probably tempts you to accept conspiracy theories more often uh maybe i don't know i'm just a speculation but but i can yeah. i can definitely see that happen interesting
1: all right so um now we have the vaccine right mm-hmm. <laughs> So I thought we were going to look at another disease for which we have a vaccine and see see does it work with vaccines? I mean, in practice, can we eradicate a, a disease quickly and easily? I saw an interview with uh, Michel Saffron, who is uh, leading the WHO's Global Polio Eradication Initiative, and he has had his job since 2015. And uh, I think the interview, which we will link to, is very interesting. If you wonder, why the hell do we still have polio in the world? I mean, they've had the vaccine for, for decades now. And so why? No, we shouldn't. So in short, we now have only the so-called wild polio in Pakistan and in Afghanistan. It's, it's been eradicated everywhere else. It used to be only Pakistan, actually, in that region. But with the war in Afghanistan, the, the virus is spread as people cross the Pakistani border back and forth. And the problem there now is that the donors of the the funding of the vaccine initiatives, the donors are getting tired of the lack of results and there's a risk that they will back out. But that's the only region now where wild polio exists. And technically, it should be easy to get rid of it if it wasn't for that conflict. But that's only one side of it, because... you noticed I said wild polio. We also have vaccine-induced polio. And, and that sounds a bit scary and crazy. Why do we spread a disease by giving vaccines? And of course, as always, it is always a bit complicated when you look into it. There are good reasons, but it's reasons that are complicated. So first, we have the injection-based vaccines. Um, and they cannot give you the disease, but the oral vaccines can. In some cases, so then you wonder, okay, why don't why do don't we give everybody the, the injections then? But giving it injections is more complicated because you need it's a it's a other procedure. It's not as easy to administrate, and also the the injections they prevent the disease, but they do not prevent the transmission of the disease. So uh, with the injection even you have to give it to everybody to get rid of the disease altogether now the oral vaccine is different because it does also protect others not the one not just the one you give it to and it's as i said it's easier to administer but that method works differently the oral vaccines contain a live but weakened virus which triggers the immune uh, defense to wipe it out But it also spreads to people in your surroundings, which is, for the most part, a good thing because that means you you don't have to vaccinate everybody because that weakened uh, virus spreads to the others as well. Unless you are unlucky. Sometimes if you let the virus be around for too long, the, the weakened virus, it could mutate and cause symptoms. And then you're in trouble because then you have actually let the, uh, the disease grow again, but in a different form. But it's even more complicated than that because there are, or there used to be, three types of polio viruses. And uh, there's more than one kind of oral vaccine. So that makes it more complicated. It's only the oral vaccine containing the weakened type 2 vi- virus that can lead to vaccine-induced polio. But the wild version of type 2 became extinct in 1999. That's more than 20 years ago. So why do we still use that? Well, it's because complicated. Uh, in several countries, they continue to use the, an oral vaccine that contains all three types uh, because that's the one that they had available. It's supposed to be retired, but I still use it. And that means that you still have type 2, not the wild type, but the vaccine induced and then you have to to fight that one and then there's another oral vaccine specifically for that but that also can spread the type 2 so i'll stop now but you see it's more complicated than you think <laughs> the 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 thing is you can i will link to this article because it was um, it is a very interesting read so how big is the problem right now with uh, with polio in the world 140 children per year are infected with wild virus and a little over 900 uh, are infected by the oral vaccine or get symptoms from the oral vaccine. So we're not quite there yet, but hopefully soon. So as I said, it's interesting to look at this now when we have a vaccine or several vaccines against COVID-19, it's easy to say, okay. Deal done. We'll just vaccinate everybody quickly and uh, this thing will blow over. And I hope it's going to be that easy. But if we look at polio, you can tell that sometimes it's much more complicated than that. Yeah. My favorite saying.
0: Hmm. <laughs> All right, things that are complicated. Among those, uh, there are lots of different modalities of uh, complementary and alternative medicine, right? And you probably know what country you want to link the College of Medicine and Integrated Health with. It's the UK.
1: <laughs> I was just going to say that. It
0: grew out of something <laughs> that was called the Princess Foundation for Integrated Health. It had to close down after... Yeah. Allegations of fraud yes. from on, on the leaders and money laundering and all that stuff. Uh, the prince being Prince Charles, the arch enemy of Edward Ernst. <laughs> and all science, yes, <laughs> yeah, and all science. <laughs> so Edward Ernst reports that the College of Medicine and Integrated Health, that was called uh, the College of Medicine when it was founded, after the closure of the Prince's Foundation for Integrated Health, well, they launched a new campaign which is basically called the integrated medicine alliance and that lists several different organizations and individuals among uh, their participants and the aim as they announce is that it will try to bring uh, alternative medicine forward uh, and especially with the the dire need of people to get proper Alternative healthcare treatments in the post-COVID-19 world, but when it comes to COVID-19, uh, we've already seen a couple of bogus claims circulating that are propagated by the supporters or the practitioners of uh, complementary and alternative medicine, or so-called complementary and alternative medicine, or scam, as Edzard Ernst uh, usually puts it. So this has been already launched but it was uh, supposed to happen sometime in the middle of uh, january so they are uh, producing information sheets uh, or so-called information sheets um, probably full of uh, bogus claims as well but uh, that is something to look out for and and we need to keep an eye out for these because uh, this was done with a fanfare of all the the media coverage and all that so we need to be alert. the the integrated medicine alliance is there and who knows what kind of harm yeah will
1: do integrated is such it's a red flag word yeah so if you try to integrate real medicine with something else that's not a good thing yeah it's not
0: going to be medicine the outcome is not going to be medicine no (laughs) it's
1: (laughs) going to be real medicine Diluted with bogus things. Yeah, 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 Right. Okay, let's stay with Edzard Ernst and homeopaths a little while here. Yeah, talking about dilution, right?
0: Yeah, <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> So breaking news, just as we record this or this afternoon, uh, there's an update about the PSA and the Society of Homeopaths in the UK, the PSA being the Professional Standards Authority. And we have reported before how the Good Thinking Society has been questioning why the PSA keep accrediting uh, the Society of Homeopaths when they don't do their job in keeping their members on the right side of, of regulations or recommendations, etc. Especially it's about promoting so-called cease therapy, uh, which we've talked about before, I won't go into it now, mm-hmm. uh, or to spread nonsense about vaccines. Lots of homeopaths are anti-vaxxers or very hesitant to, to recommend vaccines. So last year, the PSA warned the homeopaths that they were in danger of losing their accreditation if they didn't shape up. And we talked about that as well. And you know what? They haven't shape, shaped up. <laughs> Sheep shape, shaping up. The society of homeopaths have now been suspended by the... Or the accreditation has been suspended for 12 months. And if they want to be accredited after that, they will have to prove that things have changed. And I'm pretty sure we can say that this is another win for the Good Thinking Society, even if, as we record this, they haven't had time to comment that yet, at least not on their website, as I can see. Uh, The Society of Homeopaths have uh, promised repeatedly that they would get their members to follow the rules, but they haven't done their job. And um, the question is if they really want to or they're just they 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 talk the talk but they don't want to do the work and now they're paying the price which is a very good thing it is
0: it is the good thing from the good thinking society yes that's good (laughs) (laughs) yeah just to add something as we record i just received the newsletter from the good thinking society all right so good there we go by the time this goes out it will definitely be up on their website as well okay great I'm, I'm, i'm pretty sure about that Okay, so, do you want to get proof Yes, please. that <laughs> the general- COVID-19 vaccine includes a 5G chip? Oh, fuck. Do you need proof of that? <laughs> uh, or you I just I would believe be very it? surprised if you could prove that, yes. Well, go online and you will find a COVID-19 f- uh, 5G chip diagram. <laughs> and uh, that is basically a circuit drawing, Like, so it cannot be fake. It has to be the real thing. Even though there are a couple of weird items on that drawing, <laughs> it shows things that are called food switch. Uh, I don't know what that is. A bass, a treble. <laughs> uh, but there is something that it's called the 5G frequency. <laughs> so. Okay. Uh, That's the proof. That's the proof. Uh, Volume and out. And so that means that it has to have an outcome as well. So the output must be the information that the government collects of your situation. And there is an input as well. So they can send the signal for your body to start producing the SARS-CoV-2 virus. So there's your proof. There you go. However, (laughs) there is an Italian guy by the name Mario Fusco, who is um, a senior software engineer at Red Hat. And he, he knows his shit, apparently, because he identified this drawing, that the chip diagram, as nothing else but an electric circuit of a guitar pedal. <laughs> and <laughs> to be exact, it is probably the boss MT2 Metal Zone electric guitar pedal. based on information gained from from people who actually know what this contains uh, exactly. So um, there is a a guitar pedal, the circuit drawing of which circulates on the internet as the supposed COVID-19 5G chip. Drawing. So
1: incredible.
0: Yeah, this is how bad the yeah. situation
1: is. <laughs>
0: and thank you very much to Mario Fusco for revealing that information.
2: Yeah, something that also is very interesting and seems a bit scientific, but doesn't work. But doesn't work, yes. <laughs> is um, a study found out that radiation protection stickers are useless. No. These are things you can pretty much order uh, on the internet or buy in shops. In the UK. I've
0: been ordering them by the dozen. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. And, I'm and, and they
2: seem to be ineffective. <laughs> um, you can, they claim you can use them for your phone or for your computer, for your Wi Fi router, your tablet, your TV. And now you will, uh, pretty much hear what, what I, uh, felt like my alarms went off because, um, these stickers claim to harmonize the electromagnetic frequencies from these electrical things. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> uh huh. And they will help against tiredness, electro stress, headache, exhaustion, and aid your sleep. <laughs>
0: Uh, wow. With the help of what? scalar oh energy, my God <laughs> harmonizing all the electromagnetic radiation, <laughs> that is the dream. That is the, the dream. The question is,
1: does it work on guitar pedals?
2: That would be that's
0: what <laughs>
2: <I> would <laughs> <say>. <laughs> probably. It,
0: then the whole five G con- conspiracy is, is is down the drain. It will
2: make the whole pedal only like produce one note. Then, like oh, <laughs> only one. <laughs> that's it. That's it. will be very harmonized. It. It, it won't work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like so far so good, but. Um, researchers actually tested uh, these stickers on phones and wi-fi points with and like they used them with and without stickers couldn't find any evidence that it changed anything at all like no frequency Mm. change (laughs) no uh, power change nothing (laughs) at all what a surprise yeah we're totally surprised right and it's also something like electromagnetism of this power doesn't harm humans so you don't even need these stickers like even if they would work you wouldn't need them yeah so yeah um just something that we always like to hear is is like again proof that these things don't work
0: (laughs) by the way the latest episode of skeptoid with brian dunning you will find the exact same thing being explained i mean How electromagnetic radiation, with the exception of very high intensity uh, microwave radiation uh, used in microwave ovens, will not harm you at all. Yeah, go check out the Skeptoid, the latest Skeptoid episode on that. Yeah, and uh, with all that, we have to find out who's been really wrong lately.
1: Right. Rudolf Steiner should be well known uh, a well known name for our listeners. He's the for being wrong. For, for <laughs> being wrong, he's dead. Spoiler, but um he still are creating a, a problem here. He, he was the Austrian philosopher and believer slash inventor of nonsense. Who uh, he was behind uh, the anthroposophical movement and the Steiner, Steiner schools, also known as Waldorf schools, and a lot of other things. He had a mm-hmm. he was a busy busy guy. He was active in the early 1900s, and his ideas of spiritualistic approach to education, farming, and medicine. Is still very popular in Germany, I believe. I can see that uh, Annika is smiling here. Yes. But also in other places. Sweden had an anthroposophical hospital that I've talked about in the past, which thankfully had to close in 2019. Steiner's ideas are full of esoteric mumbo-jumbo linking things to angels, the stars and the moon and so on. He was partly inspired by Hahnemann and the ideas of homeopathy, but he added lots of his own inventions, quote-unquote, to it. Uh, I have met a nurse, a Swedish nurse, who practiced for half a year or so at the Vidar Clinic, which was the name of the Swedish hospital. And he told me about preparing treatments by stirring counterclockwise exactly seven times while the moon was in a certain phase and things like that. You you get the idea. Very magical. (laughs) very, Very magical. In Germany, they still have about 10 anthroposophical hospitals. Uh, where anthroposophical so-called treatments are available if the patients give their consent. And if you go to one of those hospitals, I guess you believe in that. So you do give your consent. And of course, they also treat people for COVID-19. At the hospital of, and uh, this is according to an article in The Guardian, at the hospital of, bear with me now, Gemeinschaftskrankenhaus Havelhöhe in, <laughs> yes. Be- in Berlin. Uh, was it okay? Yes. I bought it. I yes. totally bought it. Yeah, Havelhöhe. <laughs> uh, uh, or uh, that means the Community Hospital Havelhöhe Clinic for Anthroposophic Medicine. That's what it says on their website. They, they, uh, they do just that. They treat people for, for things, including COVID-19. And what do you think they treat your COVID with? Ginger root is one thing, and homeopathic meteorite dust. Great. There you go. Mm. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that always helps. Yeah, I would like some of that, yes. <laughs> and Germany's public health insurance companies, which are partly financed by, by German taxes, cover this via flat rate payments. I don't exactly know how it works, but they the tax money goes into this uh, through the hospitals. And from The Guardian article, I will quote, A Hufflehue spokesperson said that there were no scientific studies proving that these remedies worked and there had not been enough time to carry out trials. But, he said, we noticed that they do people good. End quote Ooh. There you go. So that that's what that's how that's how they That's vague enough. That's good enough for them. <laughs> uh, and our friend Ed Ernst, of course since it's about homeopathy he had uh, he was interviewed uh, by The Guardian and he said quote <laughs> None of the remedies listed have been shown to be effective for any condition. Most are highly diluted and therefore utterly implausible. Postulating that any of them are effective against COVID-19 is in my view highly irresponsible end quote yeah and yes that's putting it very diplomatically i think (laughs) Uh, it's bullshit that's what i would like to say but still it's dangerous because you think you're treated Mm -hmm. for something and it doesn't work and it's tax money going into this Uh, we don't like it
2: and it's also that um part of rudolf steiner's philosophy goes back to racism like he's actually a really
1: mm-hmm. yeah.
2: really bad person <laughs> in that regard
1: right yeah, yeah. there's lots of things wrong <laughs> with that yeah. yeah so for accepting and paying for anthroposophical nonsense treatments against covid19 and other things of course too uh, the german healthcare system gets today's prize for being really wrong and our friend uh, jens spahn the health minister Gets part of the sh- the shame because um, after all he is ultimately responsible and should be in charge of this. We we know he toyed with the idea of uh, excluding homeopathy from public funding back in uh, 2019, but he chickened out. I think he he didn't dare to go against the the public opinion on that. Yeah, it's politically suicide probably. Yeah, probably to, to do that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well. It's another well-deserved, really wrong price, <laughs> yeah. with which I think our quote will be in total agreement. So, our birthday boy is Massimo Piliucci, of course. So I thought it would be very fitting to share his one of his quotes with our listeners from his book "Nonsense on Stilts: How to Tell Science from Bunk." <laughs> so. Given the power and influence that science increasingly has in our daily lives, it is important that we as citizens of an open and democratic society learn to separate good science from bunk. This is not just a matter of intellectual curiosity, as it affects where large portions of our tax money go, and in some cases, whether people's lives are lost as a result of nonsense.
1: Hmm. actually ties very well in with the, the really wrong exactly price yeah
2: <laughs> yes
0: exactly so uh with that uh i'd like to thank uh, both of you annika and pontus thank you thank you especially you annika yeah welcome are back <laughs> thank you very much welcome <laughs> back i uh, hope you can join us next week as well
2: thanks for having me back
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh wow Obvious that, that that we wanted you back. <laughs> and I'd like to thank our listeners as well for tuning in again. Please keep doing so. And until next week, goodbye. Tschüss. Hello. If you have a local event or organisation to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the programme was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Shrub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe uh oh we're seeing a baby emerging from from the background oh my god
2: <laughs>
0: did she need mommy um, just just to be
2: probably not i think scotty just needed a break
0: ah <laughs> uh, okay okay so she's not hungry she's just she just need needs to be comforted
2: not yet but it could be that she will okay. be we'll see <laughs> yeah, yeah
0: let us know when when that happens we'll do <laughs> but with all that uh <laughs>
1: <laughs> Would you wanna say that you wanna keep that in the <laughs> <laughs> But <laughs> Okay, but treat your COVID with your covid? Covid. <laughs> oh <bad>. sorry. <laughs> Very German. <laughs>